0: Welcome to Veterans State of Mind, I'm your host Geraint Jones. Thanks for joining us today guys, got another banging episode for you. Before we get into it, I want to say a big thank you to Zulu Alpha Strap Company, Bombers Watch Straps for Ali Blokes. Zulu Alpha Straps have been in on the podcast for a long time now, we're very grateful uh, for their support, very grateful for the fact that they make beautiful accessories for your timepiece. If you've been in the military, or if you are in the military, you know how important it is to be in the right place at the right time. Can't do that if your fucking watch falls off, can you? Um, guys, these guys—they uh, work with Sangin Instruments, who make some absolutely beautiful timepieces. You can see their work online at Zulu Alpha Straps. Um, I gave one. I actually, this is how much I like them. Right? When you know, you know, you like something when you give it to your mate. Uh, and when we had Dan Mills in the studio, uh, I had a Zulu Alpha strap on my wrist, and I thought I saw. I saw a, a watch on Dan's wrist, and I thought, you know what, that could do with could do with a fucking Zulu alpha strap. So that's what I gave him. So uh, if you yeah, guys, if you want to send me some some more, you know, I'll be all right. Um, beautiful watch straps, guys. Check them out. They got all kinds of alley ones. They got ones with a little black beard on there. They got ones with the British flag. They got ones with the uh, American flag. I uh, don't think they do Confederate flags, but you never know. Ask them. Uh, At Zulu Alpha Straps. I tag him up in the post, tag him up in the show notes, check him out. Thank you guys for the support in the podcast. Uh, Today's guest, today's guest, Daniel Sharp. He is a former United States Marine Corps grunt, served in Iraq, served in Afghanistan. He is a meme lord. You will know him as Pop Smoke. Uh, He's huge, huge on Facebook, huge on Instagram. Does a lot of absolutely hilarious memes. Uh, He's top bloke. I think it's Dan's third time on the podcast, something like that. Um, Suffice to say, I love having him on, and he's an absolutely top bloke. So let's get into it, shall we? Please give a warm welcome to Mr. Daniel Sharp. Dan, AJ, welcome back to the podcast. AJ, first-time guest. Dan, I think thrice-time guest, maybe more.
1: Yes, sir. How you doing, boys? Fantastic. I think the uh, the last time I was on your show, we randomly met up in Norway, (laughs) and... uh... Yeah, we uh, we recorded uh, a pensive podcast with a lot of brooding in uh, the flat that you had rented.
0: Yeah, that was a that was a broody time. I feel like, I feel like it's weird because last year I feel like we were both in a very broody place. Do you know what I mean? And now we're in a lot more of a, I don't know. Oh, dare I say, say happy place? place? <laughs> can I can I go out and say happy?
1: Which is shit for uh for comedic purposes and writing purposes. Ah, uh, you and I have talked about this. The more depressed you are, the the better of a writer you are, and the more depressed I am, the better of a comedian I am.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. You got to walk that line between suicide and creating great content. Um, I want to. So while while we're on the subject of comedy, I want to start off with a real light-hearted subject, uh, and that is racism. Um, you are, oh, boy. <laughs> you are what you describe as a mutt, right? You have a, you have a bunch of different races in you. Yep. Um, I was wondering, um, I was wondering if you'd experienced racism yourself. Yeah.
1: Growing up is kind of hard, particularly if your parents are, uh, of different races because you, you experience it from both sides. Um, I'm not, um, you know, brown enough for the Puerto Ricans and I, you know, wasn't white enough for the rednecks. <laughs> and, um, so you, uh, you, you kind of experience it from both sides, and then so you you fully don't get uh, ingrained in either culture, and it's kind of like a, a weird middle ground, mm. but then in the military, uh, it wasn't so bad. Uh, the only time race ever became an issue is if the uh, the Spanish guys were arguing with the white guys over something. And they needed numbers, so they'd be like, Hey Sharp, you're half Puerto Rican, get over here. And they're like, But your last name is Sharp and I was like, But I was adopted
0: <laughs> So when you so when you say Spanish guys then, is that like Latin American, is it? Like is that like Mexican and stuff? Yeah,
1: we have uh, Central Americans and um, uh, South Americans and people from the Caribbean. We we're such a huge melting pot that you'll have somebody who's Peruvian, somebody, you know, who's from the Dominican Republic, somebody who's from Haiti, somebody who's from Puerto Rico, you know, somebody Uh, And then you got AJ over here, whose family's from Wales. (laughs) He stands about a foot taller than everyone else.
2: I'll tell you what, though. And speaking of racism, we went to Russia a while back. Now, this is is funny. Uh, Well, it's funny from my perspective because it wasn't wasn't our fault. Uh, We went to Russia a while back, and Dan is just dark enough to where anytime he asked a question, they were polite enough to answer it, but they always directed
0: the answer at me. Whoa. It's like... That's weird because you don't look like... Like, I don't know, you could like with that beard, I thought you would definitely be able to pull off being a Rusky. <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, um, if we both um accentuate our jawlines and we kinda have like the short G.I. Joe beard, like we we <laughs> you know, we we might share some uh, some some lineage back in the day, or my ancestor shot arrows at yours, you know, you stole our cattle,
0: like I think I feel like the cattle day stealings I think especially like America had a lot. I've I've read that book Empire of the Summer Moon recently. Uh, which is about the Comanches and stuff, and aside from people getting raped and brutally murdered, it sounded like a lot of fun. It's going around stealing each other's horses and stuff yeah, you know uh, if you
1: could uh kind of boil it down to like the uh, the red Dead redemption experience, you know, where you kind of take <laughs> some of the you know the more graphic aspects of it, you know which you know shooting people uh is, <laughs> is, is, is a very American thing to do
0: <laughs> it pretty much is it's a very it's a very human thing to do, so but just go on the racism thing then. Do you feel like? Um, do you feel like? Obviously, there was like you had like look being a grunt. Banter is a, a banter is a part of being the gr- a part of a grunt's life, right? Right. But do you think? Do you think that overall the experience of race was and, and like those racial boundaries were broken down by military service?
1: I, I really think so because uh, regardless of whatever uh, lot you were born into life, uh, you you were the just the same as everybody else who was getting rained on, eating the same military rations, you know. Uh, we actually, funny enough, one of, one of the guys I served with had the Prince of Haiti, uh, as one of his, uh, junior Marines. When, uh, Marines down went down there during, uh, the turmoil, I think in like 2004, uh, they were guarding the embassy. And at the time, like he was, uh, a a young man and he was very impressed with the professionalism and the respect and that people gave them and how good that they were. And he wanted to be like that, you know, he wanted to, um, to be a part of that organization so he came to america and can you imagine that like you're there with the rest of the squaddies and they're like hey uh, we got this new guy but just be advised like he's a literal prince like so
0: well the, the the Fijians, the Fijians have a lot of that because uh that's something in the british army you'll get like a a private from, like, one battalion, like, all these, like, NCOs from different battalions will, like, defer to this guy because he's a fucking royalty uh, back home. It's kind of interesting. Obviously, there's no national service. uh, I I remember when we were in Sweden, we were talking that they do have, like, I think they brought back in their national service over there because of the Russian threat. Um, But, you know, given that, Given that you say the, you know, racism was like, the racial boundaries were broken down in the military. Do you think there's something to be said for some kind, not necessarily military service, but some kind of national service in America so that people could be you know, so that people could be exposed to different, um, to different, you know, people from different races di- and different backgrounds in general.
1: I do. And, um, I, I believe that is our, uh, our food industry. If I'm, if I'm being honest, because <laughs> one of the, uh, the, the, the cool things about being in, uh, where I am now is if I pull up my phone, I can have cuisine from any culture delivered to my house within half an hour. And sometimes you go to, uh, like when I was in Peru. Like there, there wasn't an Italian place down the road that I could go to. There, you know, there wasn't a, a Mongolian restaurant. There wasn't, um, you know, fish and chips. There, there was
0: Peruvian food. You don't, you don't do fish and chips well in America, though, man. <laughs> I'm just gonna say it. Say it, said it here first, Veterans state of mind.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I, I think that that is one of the aspects that we have is that you know your your average American probably has sampled cuisine from you know. Uh, Several dozen different cultures where that's not necessarily the the norm across the world, and I, I remember I was taking this girl out to uh, to dinner one time, and she's like, "Well, where are we going?" I was like, "Oh, we're going to an Indian restaurant," and she's like, "Oh, is Indian food good?" I was like, "Well, a billion people eat it for breakfast, <laughs> lunch, and dinner,
0: so I mean, I, I would assume that you know there's there's probably some quality dishes in there." Yeah. So you said, the food industry, right? One thing, because I always think like, you know, like national service doesn't need to mean military service. And obviously in America, there's huge agricultural industry uh, and a lot of it is done. It's very like it's unskilled labor. It's done by a lot of time, undocumented workers. I think there's something to be said for every young person in America to be fucking put in the fields to pick. um um the fruits that will feed the rest of your country for the rest of the year and work alongside people from you know if you're from uh, if you're from New York you work aside, alongside someone from Kentucky you you're black you work along someone that's uh, white or asian you get a melting pot of all these people with a hard like um, working under the sun, working a physical job, and then at night you get fucked up together. I feel like there's a lot to be said for some, you know, for for that kind of experience.
2: I mean, you said you said not necessarily military service, but you just described military service. You're gonna do do a backbreaking, menial job until you hate life, and then go get fucking hammered at the end of the day.
0: But you don't. Yeah, but you're not killing people. But you're not going. You're not kicking in someone's door because their neighbor said they were a bad guy. You're not kicking in his door and shooting him in the face.
1: Well, we actually we have a a core of uh, civil engineers as well that is very similar to that. Uh, You know, they go around and they inspect bridges and agriculture things, and it's not necessarily uh, military service, but. It is um, a, a federal institution that takes people from all walks of life, and your you know team might get sent to the next state over to you know help them with relief efforts if there was a, a big storm or a natural disaster. So the the I guess the civil engineer corps
0: is kind of like that. Sorry, I was just going to say, is that a volunteer thing? Is it? Yeah,
2: I think that's that's a volunteer thing, just like everything else. But I think there's a there's a lot to be said about working some form of government job, like even if you're a clerk in an office. Because, like you said, it's a melting pot. Everybody has to do it. So everybody comes from every walk of life. And then you realize that, you know, different races or different colors and creeds and religions aren't the enemy. The government is the enemy.
0: Yes, they are. AJ, you can come back on this podcast whenever you want, (laughs) (laughs) mate. Whenever you want. Class war. Here we go. Um, All right. While we're on the subject, I just want to get one thing in on the military because this is something that I asked uh, we had Captain Dale Die on the other week, obviously uh, Marine Corps legend. Yeah. Um and I want to ask him I want to ask you something that I asked him which was um, cuz I'm just really interested in this. When you were in, you, you were in Iraq, you were so, you were in some tasty shit when you were in Iraq. Did you work alongside tanks and what is your opinion on the Marine Corps getting into tanks?
1: We had tanks with us um pretty uh, pr- pretty ingrained on our first deployment and I got to say they're there's, there's definitely something uh, to be said for having, you know, a, a, a giant uh, small bus size mobile piece of cover. <laughs> you know, if you're with the, with the rifles or your foot mobile, whatever the case is, walking down the street and you take fire from one side, being able to duck under that tank and know that uh, they're going to shoot a weapon larger than the one you're carrying. Uh, it is it is nice. But then at the same time, you're like, well, if they know we have tanks, they're setting roadside bombs that are designed to take tanks. And I am much smaller than a tank. <laughs>
0: so. Yeah, but
2: at the same time, too, our tanks don't have the capability of making tea. So yeah, you know.
0: You know what? All right. So in the back of our warriors, supposedly we had the kettles to make that. They they don't I'm n mean, i literally never once made the brew in the back of a vehicle. I'm sure some people have. Right, so this this tea thing is a myth. But you know what? When you're in Iraq, well, you you don't you don't need anything to boil a kettle in, right? You just drink your hot you just drink your disgusting boiling hot water yeah. straight out of the water bottle.
2: No, they definitely have the the, the little tank, the, the thing in the tanks that makes hot water for tea because on July 4th, there was a there was a British tanker that made a video on how they do it and they brought the equipment out and they were like you know, Happy treason
1: Day, you ungrateful colonials.
0: Well, it sounds like <laughs> some sounds like an English bloke. not having.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was actually the the name of the uh, the episode of the Smoke Pit that you were on. Oh, uh, ungrateful was, colonials!
0: <laughs> uh, ungrateful colonials. Yeah, I was drunk. No, on that. So, I was dr- I was probably drunk on that one. I forgot about that. It <laughs> took me
1: uh, about a week t- of constant trying to get a straight answer out of the Marine Corps as to what was going to happen with you know the several thousand Marines that were uh, in that field, and the answer that I got was um they can either go to a collateral duty like to be a recruiter or uh, a drill instructor or security guard in an embassy they could uh change their their job and you know if they wanted to be a mechanic or eod or whatever the case is they could see what's available and what they qualify for or they could be transferred to the army to uh to, to be a tanker over there and so i think that if you if you look at the reason why they did that, uh, there was a, a very long op-ed that uh, was was a bit dry, but I, I tried to get through it as best as I could. Basically, saying that you know we'll we'll let the army deal with the tanks, and we're going to invest more money into uh, rockets and missiles and uh, those kind of technologies because if we do go to uh, war with um, you know certain countries that we. We want to have the, uh, the capability in order to defeat their larger armored um, uh, assets without exposing ourselves to uh, retribution from similar technology that they possess. So we want to be able to hit them without being hit with the same thing. And so I, I can see the, the logic behind that. However, I do feel like we probably should have kept at least one tank battalion just in case.
0: I can see the logic, dude. But at the same time, if you're going to have infantry you need to have integrated armor. Like, if you like if you just want to have rockets and, like, be like, look, we're never going to put boots on the ground anywhere and we're just going to fire rockets from fucking miles away, I kind of get that. But if you're putting guys on the ground, you need tanks and it needs to be with people that have actually trained alongside them as well because you don't want that first day in combat to be like, oh, hey, by the way, uh, we do things this way. How do you do them, you know?
1: And so in Afghanistan, I was actually um – uh, with a combined anti-armor team. And so basically what that is, is we'll take our Humvees or our MRAPs and put uh, Javelin missile launchers on top of it because, you know, the old adage is rockets are dumb and missiles are smart. Mm-hmm. Rockets are, you know, fire and forget. You know, whatever you're pointing at is what they're going to hit. As we're missiles, you can uh, direct them to a target. You can fly them essentially like Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. And yep. so we had these Javelin missiles on top of our armored vehicles. So this gave us the ability to reach out and touch the enemy while also being much smaller, much lighter, more mobile and requiring less um, logistical support, such as uh, mechanics, extra pieces of armor and equipment to repair things, uh, gasoline, things of that nature. And although uh, armor hasn't been a uh, consideration, if you read uh, James Mattis's book, uh, he actually describes um, when he first went into Iraq, I believe it was during the, the Gulf War and then some some of the early OIF um, uh, engagements in like 2001, these combined anti-armor teams with these uh, light uh, Humvees actually had great success against Iraqi armor, they were able to outmaneuver them and they were able to destroy large components of enemy armor just by being more maneuverable and by having the weapon systems that can reach out and touch somebody.
0: Yeah, I think that's great. I think what I what I, what I like armor for is you're in a fucking city, put a tank in the fucking, put a tank in with the guys... Um, and have that armored pillbox that's basically moving away, and you get, you're get you getting lit up from building, and the tank just goes, Brr, traverses a gun on, and then just destroys the building. I, I, it's so hot. Yeah. Just boner-inducing. so hot right now. Tanks flattening buildings. so hot right now.
2: I, just, I feel like this is one of those situations where we're going to have all these good reasons for not having tanks anymore in the Marine Corps. We'll get rid of it, and like five years from now, somebody's going to go, oh, shit, we need tanks. And then they're going to have to pull out of their ass to make this happen again.
1: This is kind of this is kind of the way we go. No, what's going to happen is that uh, I mean we I, I don't think we've been in an armed conflict in almost 100 years that we didn't have our our allies, you know, the uh, <laughs> the Brits with us. So what we'll end up doing is being like, "Hey, you guys spend all the money to keep your challengers, you know, trained and upfitted and stuff like that, and when we need armor, we'll just get a detachment from you guys."
0: Well, unfortunately um, they want to get rid of the challengers to do more spend more on cyber warfare so good luck fucking beating a T-72 with a laptop I'm looking forward to seeing how I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes um, Dan yes I want to talk about what you've been up you've been up to some political stuff I hear um, not AJ's bring down the government thing you're on to some different kind of politics
1: <laughs> what, what, what have you been up to so um, we spent a lot of time talking about veteran suicide which is uh, yeah, a huge issue that I know you've shed a lot of light on that we've discussed quite a bit but unfortunately it's not the only enemy weapon system that you have to take into consideration so like you know you have to think about how to defeat enemy tanks but at the same time like how do you deal with their mortars how do you deal with their snipers uh, how do you deal with their maneuver elements and so some of the other issues that we have is that uh, sexual harassment and assault is uh, is a big problem over here in our military and then uh furthermore the lack of accountability for soldiers and um and such going missing and being murdered in various bases like Fort Hood uh that that has been a thing and then uh primarily today actually uh, right before we we hopped on this uh this call we were up at the Capitol Hill with some of our senators and congressmen and uh, comedian John Stewart from the Daily Show um talking about um burn pits and toxic exposure so basically for those who don't know uh we had to get rid of our trash some way, and in the early days of the war, they, uh, they basically just burnt it with jet fuel. They used that as an accelerant, and now this was your everyday run-of-the-mill trash from like you know empty rocket containers to MRE trash to water bottles to you know human um, uh, uh, waste. As well as uh, batteries, uh, pieces of neglected armor, uh, human remains. Oh shit! So if you know somebody uh, got hit and they uh, you know they had to remove the the bottom half of the arm or the limb to you know to save the individual's life, they just had this arm or leg sitting around and they would just literally throw it into a pit with fire. That's you know batteries and all kinds of other stuff, and it was releasing thousands of chemical agents that are known to cause cancers and other ailments. And there were people who were sleeping within several hundred feet of these burn pits. Now, the largest burn pit was about ten acres, and so you had all these um, these troops coming back home with these unexplained illnesses and cancer, and they were not being uh, given treatment. They were just said, "Well, you know, sorry, like we can't prove that that was as a result of the the burn pits." And uh, the science has been there; it's been proven by multiple doctors by uh, large case studies. But the uh, the big issue of it is is how much is it going to cost to take care of this? And our Vietnam veterans experienced uh, similar conditions with the Agent Orange pesticide chemicals and uh, radiation from you know various uh, things that we use. And those guys spent uh, twenty years fighting for healthcare, and every day that that healthcare wasn't being given, people were dying. And so. We're in a similar situation where, after the 9/11 attacks, a lot of the first responders were inhaling these uh, these chemicals and you know, things that were on fire from jet fuel, and they got sick. And it took, you know, a, a famous comedian going up there and embarrassing our politicians for them to um, refund the uh, the act that provided healthcare. And so, an organization called Burn Pit 360 paired up with uh, the Feel Good Foundation and John Stewart. And for the last year that I've been involved in it, we've been going up to Congress. We've been meeting with politicians and uh, trying to get uh, an act passed to provide health care for people who have become sick because of these burn
0: pits. So, you know, you know, dude, like, I, well, one, I want to say great fucking work for what you're doing. And thank you. Um, the other thing I want to say is, well, I'm not sure. This is something that I think will affect British veterans because we use burn pits in Afghanistan and Iraq. Um, and I'm sure anyone that's listening it that was down in Basra, we one of the routes that we used to use in the city was through a fucking giant ass trash dump that was constantly on fire, um, which was I can't remember how deep that thing was, but you were in there for a long time and exposed to all this stuff. So this is a problem for UK veterans too. So um, thank you for like for shedding a light on it because I know for a fact I've slept within 20 meters of the fucking burn pit. I'm sure I'm not the only one listening. Uh, one of the things that I, I that if I understand this correctly is it it brings on an early onset of certain things that you shouldn't see that you wouldn't expect to see until people in later life, right? Like certain cancers.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's not just one thing that you can conclusively point to because, you know, everybody's bodies react differently. And the unfortunate thing is, is that they were basically using the, um, the, the loophole of saying like, well, we can't definitively say that what you have was definitively caused by this. So there was no presumptive of just like, hey, look, if you went to a burn pit and you end up with some wicked cancer, like yeah, there's probably a good chance that that's what ended up fucking causing it. And so you know, you had these people who were, mm. uh, you know, late terminal stages of cancer and having to foot their own bill and being denied healthcare by the government that sent them to uh, fight their wars. That's
0: fucked up, dude. How does that make you feel?
1: I know that it's it's been tough for me, and I'll, I'll kick it over to AJ. Uh, just he could talk about a little bit more, but just kind of like um, hearing the stories from some of the family members has, uh, has, has been rough.
2: Yeah. It's so they started the press conference and you start hearing these, uh, these, some of the, the soldiers that actually experienced some of this are standing there and they're telling their stories. The family members who have like the spouses of people who have died are sitting there telling their stories. And at the same time that's going on, but right behind them, on the steps of the Capitol building, you have a bunch of politicians come out and they have, they start going on this political tirade about how they're going to fix this and they're going to fix that. And the other side just wants to, you know, watch America burn. And they start talking about, Oh, I'm a Navy veteran and I'm this veteran. And you know, you know what right here, you've got these people who are suffering. You've got, they're standing right there. Like not people who know somebody who met somebody or whatever—they're physically standing right there. And there was a part where they broke up with whatever the hell it was they were doing, and they come walking by to go wherever it is they're going for the day, and they just wandering on by, and and it just mm. it infuriates you watching these people because. And John Stewart made two really good points that that stuck. One is you know just as Dan was talking about with the presumption, right? With smoking, we know that smoking causes cancer. Can I show the causal link in each individual person that you smoked X number of cigarettes and it caused you to have X cancer? No, right? That's not how it works. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't do it, right? Like thats It's ridiculous to sit there and say, well, we can't take care of you because you can't show me step a b and c in this process
0: yeah but these are the same guys that say that your hearing loss is not caused caused by service um after you fucking sat on top of giant bombs going off underneath you right and that's yeah. the
2: second thing he said was you know they're it's not about support it's about money they, they're just mm-hmm. the only reason that every congressman and senator hasn't signed off already is because of money and he said off the top of my head there's four things i can tell you right now we can cut or we 5% of the OCO fund, which we, we've we talked about on the smoke pit what's,
0: before. What's Sorry.
2: The Overseas Contingency Fund, it's a part of the DOD's budget,
1: but it's like uh, a fund that- That's de- our, our Department of Defense, so uh, you'll have to forgive him. He works for the government, so he just speaks in acronyms and jargon. Oh, you're
0: bringing him down from the inside. Excellent. Ron Swanson in the house. Yes. Yeah. Love it. So <laughs> it's,
2: it's one of those things where, you, the, so you have the de- the Defense Department's budget is so many billions of dollars. And then you have an attachment to that, which is just for like overseas operations. like. You Sprinkle $80 million on this and $80 million on that.
1: We want to mine this vitamin that helps with our boners in this African country. (laughs) But there's a civil war, so we have to send a bunch of Green Berets and civil engineers out there
0: to uh, stabilize the region. Dan, you got so jaded in your old age, (laughs) right?
2: Yeah, but that's the thing. You cut 5% off of that, and all of a sudden, you've got the money, right? Mm. You make a couple less F-35s. And you've got the money, it, so yeah. it's it's about money, and you just want to go up and throttle these people.
1: And in addition to that, um, the the Pentagon uh, was one of the few government agencies that refused to uh, do an, an internal review, uh, an audit as far as their um, their their spending. And then so That's once insane. they finally you know bent their arm enough to comply, they found out that there was hundreds of millions of dollars being attributed to fraud, waste, and abuse. Jeez. And, you know, that, that, that goes to, um, you know, certain politicians giving contracts to, um, mm. factories in their district, uh, you know, trying to secure votes that way. And like, I get it. Like if you're a Congressman or, uh, particularly a, a member of the house of representatives versus being somebody in the Senate, uh, which both fall under what we call Congress, uh, you have a loyalty to the people that live in your district. And that was another thing is that you would go into, we would, uh, I, I won't, I won't name names just yet, but we would go into the office of veteran politicians, like people who got elected off of, you know, the platform of their service. And we say, Hey, this is our issue. This is what veterans are dying from. And I shit you not. I've literally had them look in my face and be like, well, no one in our district has called to complain about it yet. Uh... And it's like, well, if it doesn't directly affect the people who vote me into office, I don't care.
0: Well, this is the problem in politics in general. is it's uh, it's not about America anymore. It's not about Britain anymore. It's about re-election. That's all they give a fuck about, and that's why they care about their districts because it's their district. So, for people listening, an American congressman gets voted in by a district. Okay, it's not like a national wide thing. So, as much as they claim to want to represent the country, you know, do what's best for the country, their first priority is to get re-elected, and therefore they're going to do what's best for their their re-election chances um and and then and then you know fuck the rest of the country we see this at every fucking level it's a four year cycle of uh, re-election
1: yeah and um it's it's unfortunate because there are uh not term limits for us so you'll you'll have people that you know, get into their their basin yeah i get it look there's nuns and orphans and puppies and you know the whales and the unions and there's you know all kinds of things that people care about mm-hmm. there's only so much money in the pot to be, you know, spooned into various bowls. Um, and so I, I get it. However, it's like, if, if you have the money to start a war, you have to budget the money to be able to, to take
0: care of the people who come back. Absolutely. And we're not even talking about, when we're talking about you have the budget for the war, we are talking about an insane amount of money. Trillions. We, you know, we're not talking, yeah, trillions. Um, you know, the fucking cost of a JDAM, How many people with burn pit exposure could you help with that one fucking bomb?
1: Yeah, but it is sweet to see those things blow up. I don't know about you.
0: They're pretty cool, mate. I'm not being funny. Maybe it's worth a few people passing away <laughs> to see that jdam Joking, people. No, I, I joking, will say with all kind of
1: seriousness. Of it's it's right. kind of funny. It's like the government's like, "All right, look, we're gonna spend five hundred thousand dollars for these ten people <laughs> now. Whether it's a jdam to keep them alive in a firefight or the healthcare afterwards, like that's all you get. Uh, like, do you want to die now from enemy fire, or do you want the J-DAM?
0: Thing is, bro, as well, if you said to guys, it's like, guys, we're gonna, we, we've got, we've got like, fucking, we've got air on station." You can have this J but if you do, you don't get any kind of aftercare from the military. <laughs> like, drop the fucking bomb! <laughs> Fuck yeah, we're gonna live ever. <laughs> um, are you considering making a, a political? Do you, do you think politics is going to be something that you might go down in uh, the route you go down in your life? Well, um. Uh,
1: unlike AJ, I'm, I'm currently not old enough to run for president.
0: Uh, <laughs> but yes, uh, you are. Wait, there's an age limit on that. There, There is. You have to be 35. Not. They've got it on the fucking wrong end of the scale. They have a fucking geriatric fucking running for it, but you can't be, that's, that's ridiculous. Yeah. You could, you could know you could, you could be such a great candidate in your early thirties. I mean, personally, I don't think, <laughs> but like, it's ridiculous to have like an age cut off at the bottom, but not have it with someone who's got fucking dementia.
1: Yeah. And, um, I, I, I totally agree with that. I, I think that uh, at some point in time, I, I will make a run for some office. I actually uh, um, currently still hold an office of uh, on a city council committee. Which I'll, I'll be honest, I, I really haven't done anything with. Like, I got my certificate in the mail. I had to go to the courthouse and take an oath and swear into my office and say that I wouldn't abuse my power. But I—that's I, <laughs> the, the first thing he did was abuse his power. Yeah, okay, <laughs> we we literally have an entire episode. Oh, did some pizzas? Uh, yeah, get the pizzas invoice. Which I—it it amounted to nothing. Like I, nothing's come across my proverbial desk that I've. You know, there just hasn't been any uh, matters for that office to deal with, and that's. That's the problem with the government is there's so many different compartments and it's just like, all right, now that you have this set up, somebody's like, well, what about this issue? Like, okay, create a department. All right, well, what about this issue? Okay, create a (laughs) department. And now, you know, before you know it, you have such an intricate, you know, system of roots that, you know, dig into the soil. But none of them are really tackling the big, pervasive issues that um, have the potential to affect, you know, hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people. And by second and third order effects, the amount of money that we could save by, uh, you know, doing early onset uh, treatment and screening and preventative measures and not using burn pits, we could end up saving ten times that much in late uh, healthcare budgets and then in that time we could take that money that we save and invest in education and infrastructure and the roads i'm tired of fucking hitting potholes garrett like i'm fucking tired of
0: the potholes try living in wales mate it's a third world country i can't even upload videos i can't even upload videos of the fucking podcast um to get to to give people a very basic analogy of this it's kind of like um if you want to get fit the way the government would do it if you want to get fit is right well we better have a we'll have a board we'll, we'll 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 form a committee about how to get fit right we'll have a well well i think i might use kettlebells right let's form a committee about what kettlebell to buy right let's form a committee about what weight and you end up with all these committees and you never actually do any fucking exercise yeah and
1: then somebody's like well wait a second there was corruption in the kettlebell committee because so and so's <laughs> brother works at the sporting goods store and they were going to buy them from there so now you need an investigation to investigate corruption in kettlebell committee like You know how to fix the problem? No kettlebells. You fire everybody.
0: I I do think in America especially, there needs to be almost like a bit of a... I, I mean, I want... I want America to be peaceful, right? Let me say that. I'm not like, I'm not, well, okay, I'm a little bit bitter that we lost the war, but like, I don't want America to be burned up But yeah,
1: you enjoy the women and the drugs here, so like... No,
0: I do not enjoy the drugs, Daniel Sharp. I enjoy <laughs> the company of my friends. <laughs> um, no, the um, fucking, hang on, you throw me off now. All right, I don't want America to be, I don't, I'm just thinking about drugs, aren't I? <laughs> um, I don't want America to be raised to the ground, but at the same time, the state, like, America's politics is in such a state, you almost think, like, right, this thing needs tearing down and building again. Like, if, Amer- if if American politics was a fucking house, it would be a crack house.
2: You're absolutely right. And one of the problems is yeah. that, like Dan was saying, we don't have term limits on people in Congress. There was a guy who voted against civil rights in the 60s who only retired in, like, 2010, 2012. Like, at, at what point do you get to be in office for so long that you forget what it's like being a, an average citizen.
0: Well, most of them go straight into it now. They don't even have they don't even have jobs beforehand. They go straight into they they straight into politics. Yeah, they get um
1: I I think uh, that I really like your analogy of the crack house, but you know, America's crack house <laughs> has 5G, Wi-Fi and a Lamborghini sitting in the porch. Like, the house infrastructure is shit, it's dirty, like, there's crackheads sleeping around everywhere, but, like, we got all the bougie things, you know, like, there's... Oh, yeah. The fridge is stocked with alcohol and steak, you know?
0: Yeah, it's a a weird one, dude, because America, like, don't get me wrong, I still want to live in America, like, I think America has got so much good shit going for it, but politically, um... And like, just oh, the other thing as well is like, I, you know, I, again, I love America. And I want to live there, so I'm not bashing America or whatever. Because I know sometimes, I tell you what, Americans are the worst people at taking criticism. I'll say that because I'll, I'll, I'll make Agreed. I'll make a post about America where I'm like, I love America. I want to live in America. America's great. Here's something I don't think's perfect, and people will be like, "Well, fuck you. Who the fuck do you think you are?" Um, and it's like, dude, I'm trying to, you know, I love America. I want it to be better. But um, the political system, and there's a lot of stuff that goes on in America where it's like, you know, the 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 fact the fact that the page, you know, things like the Patriot Patriot Act, they're so un-American. The fact that your own government could just like fucking look through your fucking browsing history and shit with no warrant. There's a lot of stuff in America that's going on right now, which I would say is very quote unquote un-American.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, there there was uh, an unfortunate instance of a uh, FBI uh analyzer who um after going through aj's browsing history was so distraught that he actually um had to be committed and so now the taxpayer has to foot that bill <laughs> you know i was about like to say if he had just stayed out of aj's browsing oh, history God. then he wouldn't be in an institution right now <laughs> i was about to say just because you have the ability doesn't mean you should do it
2: okay this is bad the fbi cia whoever's listening to this podcast yeah. I'm not trying to hide anything from you. I'm just trying to save you all that government
1: money for therapy. And those bleeding eyeballs. He's he's just got a lot of search for thick women in his browsing history. I
0: do miss thick women. Like America has the best thick women. Especially I mean, Dan, you're from Florida. Florida has the thickness.
1: Yeah, it's um it it, it will definitely make you develop a sickness for the thickness and <laughs> <laughs> particularly because you know we have more immigrants than any other country in the world by far like i think the next highest is russia and we we double them and so like you will, and just like I said, with the cuisine, like you'll be in the club and you'll look over and it will be like, you know, uh, a thick Dominican woman or a thick Colombian woman or like, uh, you know, a busty Australian woman. And it's just like, all right, like what, you know, what's your poison? Like, what kind of crazy do you want to get into tonight? Like you can get stabbed. I mean,
0: with- you've just unveiled why you've unveiled why I want to move <laughs> to America in one succinct little section. Yeah.
1: Like a, a good looking thick guy like you, like you could. You know, run through half a dozen girls in a week, and not one of them could have this, would have the same, uh, single same country of origin. Like, God bless you're talking about the rain, like, taste the rainbow, you know?
0: God bless America is all I had to say on that. <laughs> um, boys, I want to talk a bit about, um, I want to talk about a bit on social media while we're on the subject of like people overstepping on, um kind of civil rights and stuff. Have you experienced any because like I would say in the last year social media has got a lot weirder with the certain things being blocked, even like insta-police coming into people's DMs and blocking people, DMing each other about certain things. Um obviously Dan, you are massive uh on the social media side of things. You have you seen a change in the social media landscape over the last year as an OG?
1: I have, and
0: some of it's for the better
1: and some of it's for the worst. I, I do feel like um, maybe five or six years ago, uh, social media was kind of like uh, an irradiated wasteland. Like you were allowed to be as toxic as you wanted. Like it, it was just like, almost like the Call of Duty game chat lobby. Like it was just, you know, racial slurs and profanity and misogyny and just like the worst possible shit that you could imagine. It was, it was
0: very toxic. Sounds like a smoke pit podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's our shtick. <laughs> and so I, I think a lot of that has been cleaned up because people are starting to realize like you will be held accountable in the public eye if you have really shitty opinions. But then mm-hmm. at the same time, I feel like the people took that as a license to become their own social justice warrior. And if – whatever they see isn't 100 percent in line with their views they feel like they have a right nay an obligation to like over the fuck react to it Mm. and so you'll put something on there and people will just make the biggest leaps and assumptions and then that comment will have a thousand likes and people will call you you know all sorts of names and i'm like that's that's not what i said but then if you reply they're like oh you're mansplaining shut up white man you know it's just like okay like that's not what was happening whatsoever like i'm super sorry that the people who came before me were a bunch of like racist misogynist (laughs) assholes Uh but i've never been the manager at some like you know financial company was like i'm not going to promote you because i'm going to promote this white man instead like i've never done that shit yeah i've never benefited from that i grew up in a poor neighborhood did you own slaves no most certainly not like (laughs) most certainly not and like i you know, I, I grew up in a very poor uh, neighborhood. I was you know adopted several times. My mom declared bankruptcy. Like the state came in and like you know took custody of her children. Like I was in a battered children's shelter. Like I came from a poor fucking background in Florida. And then to have you know some you know college girl who you know, is going to some prestigious university that costs you know more per year than most people's you know total value of their house. Tell me that I have privilege. And it's just like, okay, you don't know anything about my story. I fought literally two wars. I've done nothing but fight for the veteran community since I've been back. You know, people, uh, it be, just assume because like i look a certain way that my life has been a certain way and i'm like wait a second that sounds like the exact thing you're not supposed to do is to look at somebody and assume you know their story or the content of their character
0: i feel like you're mansplaining to me right now so you need to check your fucking privilege uh he is mansplaining right now <laughs> dude it's it, it it it's fucking nuts um i hate this assumption that like there's a lot of cunts out there, right? Yeah, and we should call them out where we see them. But I hate this assumption that you're a cunt because of um, you're a dude or you're, you're white or whatever, whatever. Or it's like whatever. Fi- find whatever category fits whatever the subject is this week. I like to think that we can come to each other with the assumption of someone's good and then have it prove the opposite, rather than coming on the assumption that someone's bad.
1: Yeah, and I, I, I say that like um, I've posted a lot of things that i have i have felt very strongly about and you know, being in the public eye you have to be um you have to be willing to have thick skin to have people disagree with you have people say terrible unfounded uh things about you to you know assume the worst of your character and so i've i've posted things on both sides of the spectrum i've posted say like hey I think this was, you know, um, uh, police or government overreach. And at the same time, like, Mm -hmm. I feel like this is being blown out of proportion because it's trendy to do so in society. This is what's actually happened in this circumstance and trying to do my best to be measured and fair and just call it straight and like, call it how I see it and give an objective opinion. You end up pissing off both sides. And I feel like that polarizes people because like, there's, there's so many people out there. It's like, if you're not in front of a large audience, putting your beliefs out there with your face, like it's it it, it's hard to make a comment on it because like you don't have as much skin in the game you you really don't like yeah conversations like that happen in like your office or whatever like the worst thing you stand to lose is have two people mad at you but when you put something out there that thousands of people see tens of thousands hundreds of thousands people see and then to have people in the comments calling you a cunt because they disagree with whatever you're putting out there it 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 sucks a bit mainly for the fact that like i realize that that's why people are so polarized because it's tribalism if you're not with your tribe you stand to be picked off by uh, a separate tribe so people are separating themselves to one political party or another or one side or the other it's us first them and america spent the last 10 to 15 years preaching so much about how you're an individual and so your style and you should get our company because that makes you an individual or you should buy our product because uh you know a discerning individual like yourself knows, you know, fine qualities when they see it, and it's like we spent the last ten to fifteen years telling everybody that they're an individual, that we should not be surprised now that we have three hundred and some odd million different opinions, and none of them completely line up uh, perfectly unless you get in that brainwashed tribal mentality. And if you're not in a tribe, it's kind of lonely.
0: Yeah, and and dude, on top of that as well, I feel like um this whole thing of tribalism it, it, it erodes then the uh it erodes personal responsibility because you're basically saying well i am this you know i'm with this kind of group therefore like it's not on me you know it's not on me to um it's not on me to act a certain way and act you know like so for instance it's like you said you know you could say something like hey here's a cop beating on a guy for no reason that's bad so people are like oh so you fucking hate cops? No, I hate someone beating up a person. Yeah. Then you see a person beating up a cop and you're like, "Well, that's not cool." Oh, so now you know, so now you don't think people should protest. It's like, "No, dude, I just don't like fucking people being cunts." Yeah,
1: exactly, and it's like they they feel so strongly about it and they're so brave in the comments, but then you look at their profile and they haven't posted anything about it. And it's like, "Okay, you're oh, going to come yeah, over here probably. and call me a cunt, but yet you haven't had the moral backbone to fucking take a stand on your own things, to so your own circle, to your own things." But like you come over to me and somehow shit on my post because you disagree with what i said but you haven't said anything yourself like get the fuck out of here like either be in the arena or get out of the arena like you don't get to be selective about what you get passionate about it's like do something about it if you don't shut the fuck up well that's the problem with the internet what's
0: funny oh sorry go on on, the problem with
2: the internet is it's it's a it's a double-sided uh blade right so everybody gets to have a say but nobody has to worry about getting punched in the mouth Mm. like if if you say some shit on the internet you should either believe it well enough to where if you set it in a public place, like we, we put up a uh, an article the other day that I wrote about Benghazi, right? On September 11th. And it's just the facts. I didn't state an opinion. I didn't say, I even at the end of it, I said, I'm not blaming anybody and any political affiliation. This is just, this is what happened. Just so we know, this is the events, the timeline, right? It was a timeline of events. And then I had somebody come in the comments, just trying to lose his shit about oh well obama did this and trump did that and i i'm like who the fuck cares man Mm. like if if you're willing to say that in public so you get punched in the face then knock yourself out but otherwise you know who the fuck asks for your opinion
1: yeah people will take liberties with their assumptions and then assume that because it is slightly different that you must be the opposite tribe right if you try to have a measured approach you take fire from all sides because you're leaving your flank exposed. And I think that's unfortunate that um, in today's society, you you cannot disagree with somebody without them assuming that you've f- fervently support the opposition mm. it's like no no no. i i can agree with 96 percent of what you said but let's talk about the four percent like oh well you must hate babies and yeah. like that's no, that's not what i said whatsoever like
0: yeah and the other thing as well is they're assuming that you have a, you you have a different endpoint to where what they want so um you know it might be like so for instance um you know the covid thing their thing might be, hey, I want everyone to be locked down because not people people don't die. And then my thing will be like, well, I don't want governments to lock people down because I think people will die from that in the long term. So you're both coming from the same end point of we don't want people to die. Yeah. You just have slightly different kind of priorities. Uh, something I think on social media, though, it should be your thing is you shouldn't get to post on other people's posts if you have a private profile. If you have a private profile, you should not be able to comment on it. Like, there should be a setting that you cannot comment on other people's fucking shit. Well, my
1: my profile is private, but that's just because um, I do tend to piss off a fair amount of people. Uh, so like I, I try to keep my, my comment sections free from bots and scams and, mm. and stuff like that. And if feels like if I'm making a very heartfelt post about suicide prevention and like the first comment in there is just like, Oh, you know, tap on the link on my bio to see my butthole. And it's just like, okay, I'm, I'm going to click the link, but at the same time, like
0: that's not, that, that, <laughs> that, I want you to see. I want you to see my butthole. Come on man. And and it's maybe just like, that oh, stop well, it. I'm two? the
1: I'm the hardest fifteen year old rapper from Sussex. And it's just like, dude, like read the read the room, you know? Like I The
0: hardest and the only. Yeah,
1: the only one. <laughs> and uh, lack of competition. That dude's going hard in the paint. But it's just like i i don't want the self-promoters and like i i do have a bit of a following so it's kind of like there is an arena there to begin with but I, I see what you mean particularly because like i have my name my face on my profile i have my website i have pictures of me i have my thoughts so like this is me i there's people out there that they'll have like you know funk master flex 69 and then like an <laughs> anime character profile picture and they're like you're a piece of shit i hope you die and it's like okay, anonymous person on the internet, like, how about you say it with your chest,
0: you know? Two jerks off over anime. If you got anime picture in your uh, profile, you jerk off to anime. And if that's your thing, that's fine. But then don't be saying I'm a bad person. Um, do, do you get, well, like, what kind of ratio of, like, you are a piece of shit, I want you to die messages do you get compared to, hey, dude, you really helped me. Thanks for pulling me back through a bad time. What's the kind of ratio?
1: That's, that's actually a fantastic question because I think that, we oftentimes focus on the bad so much and sometimes that I have to remind myself is if I put a post out on Facebook and it reaches a hundred thousand people and then there's 10 comments um, that are saying that I'm a bad person, I have to put it in perspective, like a hundred thousand people saw this and only 10 people <laughs> felt pressed enough, but it seems yeah. like a big deal, particularly if you don't yep, get sure. a lot of interaction on Facebook, like, Oh my God, 10 people said I was shitty and they'd be like, Oh, everybody's trashing you in the comments. They're like, no, 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 like only 10 people. So, that, that that was a great question the fact that we do have to keep this in perspective because most people can't be bothered to have a reaction like it it's it's fine it's fair like i'm not accusing anyone of anything you'll scroll by three or four posts before you like or comment on one it's fine but like the idea of like when you do get criticism people get so focused on that that they forget the overwhelming of people who did not have that big of an issue with it so by far and away, ninety nine point nine percent of the messages that I get are like, "Hey, thank you for this resource. Thank you for teaching me about this. Like, I appreciate the memes. Like, you know, keep it up. Like, you know, you're doing good stuff for the veteran community." Mm-hmm. But then I'll spend three days press when someone's just like, "Ah, oh, you fucking piece of shit." And it's like, well, mm-hmm. it's easy to forget about the ten people uh, that that said you did good when you're focusing on the one person that said bad, and you're allowing them free real estate in your head. To live there without paying rent when you should be focused on the people
0: that you can help
2: i think you'd have a lot less of that going on if you would have the link in your bio so we could see your
0: butthole yeah that's fair (laughs) i think it's something to do with our human nature that we concentrate on that though like uh, i do exactly the same and even though you say in your head dude it's one dickhead who probably hates his life and is jealous of your life, like that, because that's usually who it is, right? But it's just human nature, and I've heard the same from everyone that's in the same position. So I think when you understand as well that it's human nature that that you're going to do that, you you start thinking then like, um, you know, you start kind of worrying about it. Do you ever, do you ever consider coming off social media?
1: Oh, all the time. I I really do, just for the fact that like it is. It is difficult to, um, to, to be out there. Like, I, I posted a picture. I, I, I've been on a bit of a diet recently and, uh, you know, trying to get that Garrett Jones body. And uh, I've lost like 30 pounds. And so I posted like a picture of me, like, hey, look, like, you know, I'm, I'm proud of this. And someone's like, you're fat. And it's like, damn, dude. Like, fuck them
0: you're looking svelte
1: fuck them like i i really spent all this time and energy trying to make a difference and then like when i when i go to show the the class what i made and you know in crafts like the one person's like it sucks and like dude like yeah and it's yeah so I, i do consider it a lot just for the fact that like you do become a target for other people's um shitty lives and you know this person could you know deal with their
0: you know, their shitty partner, and... I'm just holding up a note. It said, uh, on my notes, I put a note saying, you're looking trim. It was on my notes. Look. Oh, you can't see. Oh, but thank I, you. I literally... <laughs> no, look, literally, in my notes, it's like, you're looking trim. Like... That was one of my notes. So fuck that person, mate.
1: I I appreciate that. And so
0: not, have not having him speak to you like the cunts,
1: you know, that, that guy, you know, he was a, a warrior in the military. Like, you know, he had a, uh, you know, a machine gun. He was in charge of a section. Like he was the dude, like, you know, he was the one that said if, you know, the, the privates could go to lunch, like he was in charge and then he gets out and he gets a job and he's got some civilian dickhead boss that doesn't understand and treats him poorly. His family doesn't understand why he's drinking so much, why he's depressed. And the one glorious moment in that dude's life is giving me a hard time. Yeah. And so like I I try to just like you said, remember that generally the people who are the most negative about other things is because they have negativity about themselves that they don't want to work through. And so it's easier to channel that towards other people. So you're absolutely right. Cause I'm I'm only human. You know, like I've been, you know, called bad names literally thousands of times over the last five years, particularly if I have something go viral, that's like a picture or an article of me. There's always going to be that, you know, 2% of people that have shit to say. And it does suck because, you know, you're just having a good day and you get a message. just like, oh, you fat piece of shit. And I'm like, oh,
2: <laughs> thanks, mate. <laughs> you know what? For the yeah. re-
1: For the record, though. We went to go to the event today
2: and Dan went to go put on one of his suits. It's like a really nice one. It's like it was tailored for him Nice, and he couldn't wear it because it looks like his daddy's suit now because he lost so much weight that it looks like he's putting on someone else's clothes.
1: So fuck that guy. (laughs) No, I I do appreciate that. But the 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 message so much is that like you 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 really do have to like uh, consider the fact that like some of these people will be like, oh, you're a piece of shit because you said something that's slightly different from my political views. But let me post this video of me doing twenty two push ups for veteran suicide
0: awareness. I, I've heard that. I've heard that. I've heard that really helps doing twenty two push ups. I've heard it helps a lot of uh, veterans.
1: Oh yeah, like I, you know, I was, I was, you know, pistols trembling in my hand, and I was just like, <laughs> let me see if Garrett did his twenty two push ups today.
0: Uh, I mean, look, at the end of the day, I'm not knocking anyone that does it because at the end of the day, it's coming from a good. Well, actually, you know what? No, I'm lying. I am gonna knock people. Some people are doing it because it comes from a genuine. <laughs> Some people are doing it because it comes from a genuinely good place. Some people are doing it for the clout. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, end the podcast. <laughs> I like to know. No, we're not really <laughs> ending the podcast. I just like to end on someone agreeing with me. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot of that going. There's a lot of that going around. And look, I've been guilty before of being like, "Oh, this guy doesn't do anything for people," and then like, "Cause I'm like, hang on a minute, you have no idea what they're doing behind the scenes." There's a lot of people do shit behind the scenes that we don't see. So it's wrong to judge people uh, on this. So like, this guy's never posted a fucking, like, he's never posted a camouflage square. He doesn't care about veterans. Uh, but like, for all you know, that guy could be going down a fucking soup kitchen every day. You know, you just don't know.
1: You're absolutely right. And I, I manage a, a bunch of different platforms. And it's just like, oh, well, you didn't post about this. I'm like, well, I, I I posted about that on three of my other platforms. I wrote this article and I'm actually part of this charity event. And then, like, they'll just call you gay and block you. And it's just like, all right. Well, you should
0: have sucked his dick, then, <laughs> if, you
1: did, if, you, if you didn't want that to open. The thanks I get. <laughs> Maybe if you'd just
2: shown him your butthole,
1: this wouldn't have been a problem. Well, I'm going to need you to shave it first because it it, it is it is hairy. It, it looks like the forest moon of Endor back there.
0: <laughs> that is a lockdown butthole. Definitely. <laughs> While we're on the subject of charities... Um, I want to shout out our mate Scott Davison. What a legend of a bloke. Shout out to him. Yeah. No, the Borg, Borg, the is guys. Uh have you got any have you got any guys because I know you've done uh, you've done a few things with Scott, haven't you?
1: Yeah, uh, Scott he's he's been great with these events we um we've been doing these veteran transition events for um going on 2 years now where we'll get big uh, corporate sponsors like Samuel Adams Beer Company, various whiskey companies, uh T-Mobile, uh the the Washington Football team which <laughs> that's that's another subject, but uh, you know, and these these big corporate events, and we'll hold these open bar events with all these resources. Like, hey, like the FBI is hiring, and they have a representative here. Um, you know, this this big company sent uh, uh, an admin professional to help you with your resume to show you what they're looking for. This company does service dogs for you know people who have uh, extreme PTSD, and it's like we bring together all these resources, and they're free to attend, and we get hundreds and sometimes thousands of of vets that that show up to these um these these seminars that we give and it's awesome. Like we um, like uh, we're about to do a, another virtual one and like Jocko, he's going to be a speaker. Chef rush is going to be a speaker. Um, you know, some of these bigger names in, in the veteran community. And uh, so yeah, he, he's really been the, the heart and soul and the, the real proprietor of, of that institution. And there's, you know, other organizations that I work with like warfighter scuba, they do all expense paid trips, uh, scuba trips for uh, combat wounded veterans. Uh, Burn Pit Three Hundred and Sixty. They, um, you know, they started off as a husband and a wife, and the husband got cancer from his time in Iraq. And him and his wife have spent the last ten years beating on, you know, representative stores until where we are today, where we had, you know, actual like mainstream media coverage. And so there, there's so many great organizations out there, and it's almost to the point where there's too many. But at the same time, like, who am I to say that, like, one charity or one resource should have a monopoly? Like, if you want to do good in the world, you should do good in the world.
0: Okay, I have a question for you. It's quite a deep question. If you could earn six figures a year doing gay porn or seven figures a year doing animal porn, which would you do and where do I send the contract?
2: Gay porn, because nobody needs seven figures. That's a ridiculous amount of money.
1: Now, are we talking
0: low? All right. Clearly, you've never had a drug addiction.
1: Are are we doing uh <laughs> low six figures or high
0: six figures? We'll go. Well, we'll do mid. We'll do mid, mid six, six figures. figures. So uh, five hundred
2: thousand dollars a year, and all I have to do is do something to somebody else that I usually do to myself.
0: <laughs> no, well, I, That's, I That I, seems fair. I mean, I, AJ, I don't know what your sex life is, so this question might not apply to you. It's the opposite of whatever you usually do. Yeah,
1: I yeah, I'd have to go with the gay porn then, just for the fact that like um, I I. I, I, I don't know, man. Sometimes I take shits bigger than my dick and like I, I couldn't do that to a hamster. Like look at their precious little face and you know uh and think about how terrible of a life experience that would be because they don't <laughs> know what the fuck's going on. It's not even they that, like exist,
2: you know? Like look look at gay porn stars, like any porn stars, right? They they take care of themselves. Like if they're gonna be doing some scenes, True. they they like do the prep work for that. Like, have you ever been to a safari park? Those animals just shit all the time. (laughs) Like, that's just a mess. No matter what you do. Have you ever seen, uh, there's like the first episode ever of Black Mirror where they kidnap one of the members of the royal family and they say, we'll only release this princess if the prime minister fucks a pig on national television. Did he do it? Yeah. Like they try to come up with all these ways to get him to not do it, like to like to
0: fud. They're, they're like, we we will not negotiate with terrorists unless it's fucking a pig. In which case, if it if it aligns with the if it if it aligns with the values of the prime minister, then he will do well, it. Well, he
2: tried to get out of it all kinds of different ways, and at the end, like he he just had to do it. And so they they gave him some Cialis. They're like, get in there, sir. Slap them on his ass and uh and you know so <laughs> i mean it's, that's that's terrible Like, i'd rather do it to a willing participant
1: and not only that but i feel <laughs> like um it's you'd be much more likely to get canceled for the animal stuff because like if you do it for like you know the, the gay porn you're like a hero in certain circles you know like you'll have a community to have your back you know like do you guys watch porn but yeah literally oh yeah quite a bit
0: yeah aj yeah quite a bit
1: I, I, I've i viewed my fair share
2: of uh, indecent material.
0: Well, we all, we've we all viewed our fair share, but I'm saying like, for me, as I get older, it's like we were talking about earlier, it becomes like, part of it's like a time thing. And the other thing as well is I just, I think there's a lot of, I think you're healthier, I think you're healthier mentally if you don't watch it than if you do.
1: Put it yeah, especially like when you're, you know, you just, you set a, a long day and all you just really need is a good wank. And then you come across one of your buddy's dicks, who's a porn star. and I'm just like, we'll get out of here.
0: Are we talking about Will Pounder here? <laughs> Shout out Will Pounder. Yeah, I can't like yeah. I, I my my thing is just like, look, you've only got so much time on the world. You can't like you get any kind of like there's so many rabbit holes. Um, this is not an animal porn reference, but there's so there's so many rabbit holes that you can go down on the internet. And that's why, just in general, I just, I, I have, luckily, one of the good things about having no internet in Wales is great for productivity. Uh, because by the time that photo is loaded and I've got up to the waist, I'm already fucking come anyway. So <laughs> there's not really, I've got a bit of a kneecap fetish going on at the moment. Um, but like, I, I just, I don't know. I think, in, like, Dan, you've got a happy relationship going at the moment do you fit do you what 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 kind of advice do you have because i'm pushing this no porn. i'm not pushing no porn i don't want to say that i'm not the gestapo on the on the porn but i do want people to consider how much they're doing same as anything moderation um what advice have you got for the young kings out there when it comes to the ladies or whatever they're into
1: i uh, i would say that remember that you know first and foremost uh you know porn is fiction um that uh things in real life aren't the way that you see them portrayed on screen so if you're expecting your sex life to be a reflection of what you enjoy on, you know, whatever tube site, then, you know, just, just moderate your, um, your expectations. Like, uh, for instance, if you send a girl, a meme or a picture of, you know, your German shepherd, you're much more likely to get a response than if you send her a picture of your dick. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, like, I, I, I have a lot of female friends who've, uh, that, uh, that, that. Uh, that thesis, that uh, hypothesis, (laughs) you know, yeah. And so I, I I would say that you have to remember that in, in today's uh, day and age, you have to have something that's worth being to get that initial, initial interest of a girl. Because like, if you're walking down the street or if you're at a bar particularly and you look over and you see a very attractive girl, you're like, Oh, I want to talk to her. Well, what made you want to talk to her? The fact that you were physically attractive. So like you have to have things about you to in order to entice the type of partner that you're looking for so if the only thing you do is go for girls who are you know appear to be shallow or high maintenance or to be very single track minded where they're more concerned with cloud or whatever the case is like you, you have to understand that there are certain risks that comes with that however you know when I get like a 16 year old kid who messages me and they're like oh my girlfriend cheated on me or broke my heart or I can't get a date like what's your advice I'm like dude just get jacked like particularly
0: with yeah. get do those 22 pushes, yeah you know <laughs> save some veteran exactly lives.
1: like particularly you know the the younger you are like you have to admit that like girls want somebody who they find physically attractive to now will learning a second language or having a marketable skill or a good income or being financially responsible will those things attract certain types of girls absolutely but if you're constantly putting yourself in an environment where the girls are specifically looking for one thing to initiate the conversation before they discover your personality but you're not doing the things to meet those requirements you can't at the same time call them shallow or vapid because mate you're doing the same thing
0: yeah of course it's human nature how about you aj what you go to say on that
1: if you're spending any more than five minutes on a porn site you're wasting your time right and
2: two like there's there's too much of this stuff out there like you you could just A couple Google searches, bam, you got what you want, take care of your business and you're good to go.
0: Right. That's what, what, what about just in general though? Like, uh, moving away from porn a bit, like what about just in general, like advice for young guys and and women? Because I feel like, I think we're all in what we're all in like our mid thirties, right? Yeah. So like we, we, we're in that point where I think in the last couple of years, you finally start to figure, you finally start to put stuff together after your twenties, uh, like so, what kind of like just just advice in general? It doesn't have to be woman related either. Just advice in general for the young for the youngsters, because I feel like we have a meeting of the minds here that can benefit the young kings.
1: Yeah, I would I would definitely say uh, invest in yourself. If you want uh, to date somebody who is of high caliber, you have to expect that they're going to want something in reciprocation. Like it's not, it's not a charity meet. Mm. So if, if you invest in yourself now, whether that's physical fitness by strengthening your mind, getting a degree, getting that passport and traveling so you can become more cultured uh, using that culture to drive your culinary uh, endeavors and you learn how to cook, uh, being respectful, um, getting into charitable events. So. You know, you you have good standing in the community. You have a good reputation. Like all those things that you do to invest in yourself are going to help you realize what you're worth, what you're willing to stand, and what you're not willing to stand. Because if you have a good sense of self worth, like, hey, look, I may not be perfect, but I'm a good person and I deserve good things because of that. Then, like, you you have a a, a mindset of like, look, I will not be treated a certain way. I will not deal with certain bullshit, and I will not. Um, I will not overlook red flags just because I'm lonely. And so once you start to overlook certain things that you know would not be good for your personality, they need to have a little bit more clarity just because she's pretty doesn't mean that she's the one or she's perfect or she's the best and vice versa ladies same thing with the guys like just because he's you know good looking and you feel a certain way when you're around him like that's that's not longevity that's infatuation that's puppy love mm. so making yourself a good product so that way you could market yourself to a good partner is extremely important and the sooner you start that the better you will be when you meet that person that you want to be with and the other side of that, too is is, and I agree a hundred percent with everything you just
2: said. but uh, if there's any one piece of advice I can give and and this is coming from uh, you you learn best by fucking up sometimes. <laughs> uh, being a hundred percent honest with every person you're with. like if you're just going out there to date, like you just want to go on a couple dates, like just be with some people, see see what you want. like if you haven't figured out what you want yet, be honest about that intention up front. be like, look, I'm not in a place where especially like military personnel like if you have a weird kind of lifestyle you're overseas a lot be honest with the people you're with say look I'm I'm not in a position where I want to get into a permanent thing and then when you get to the spot where you are where when you realize that you know you're with a person that you want to be with sit down and have that conversation and say look this is what I want right this is what I want to do with the next 50 years of my life and two people don't have to be the same Like uh, one of the conversations I've had a few times is, you know, oh, we're just too different. Well, we're not really that different. Like We have the same opinions about the important stuff. We've had different lives. Mm. But having different lives means that you have different experiences, which means that when you're together as a partnership, because inevitably, if you're in a relationship, that's a a partnership, not just for, you know, going on dates and and having sex with each other and, and enjoying each other's company, but also dealing with all the hard shit. Right, one of the things you never see in a rom com is them having to deal with a real hard press issue that lasts for very long. There's always some convenient answer in a movie. In reality, there's going to be problems in your life, and there's going to be problems in their life, and problems in the two of your lives together. And you need to be able to come at that, you know, with a united front. And having differing experiences helps with that. Like you both can come up with different solutions. But most important is to the open and honest communication. Say this is what I want this is what i feel i bring to the table. you know, if if that's what you want then let's do this. if not, then i'm going to move on and go somewhere else.
1: yeah. i i think that that's that because you have to um you have to understand the fact that if you are just looking for something short term then then be honest with that because girls want to get laid too. and a lot of times if you're just honest with your expectations, it's better than them hating you because, you know, you try to like bullshit or whatever. and then also the fact that like stop making excuses for for things that really don't have merit. Like, Oh, well I, you know, I, this would just be too hard or the distance is too long. It's like, no, like if that was, if that was your mate, that it was injured in a trench a hundred yards away, like you would belly crawl to get to him. But it's like, if you're trying to be someone's person for the longevity, like you have to put the work that merits somebody giving you that kind of commitment in return. Like you can't put 20% into a relationship and then blame them when it fails. Like, that's just, that's just not realistic. And you also have to, like I said earlier, know what you're worth, because if you're the one who's putting 100% of the relationship into it, like you can't out love someone else's shitty personality, just like you can't work, uh, you can't out work out a bad diet, like you can't be the one who's constantly carrying everything, like you will be there to support your partner in hard times and vice versa. But like at a certain point in time, if you've declared your expectations, and they don't meet those expectations, you got to do the brave thing and walk away. Because holding on to a relationship just because you feel that certain type of way and like it would be painful, like that's that's not fair to you and it's not fair to them. Because every moment that you're wasting someone's time is time they could be spending doing whatever makes them happy. And at the end of the day, like you cared about that person enough to get into a relationship, like they were your friend. You may hate them after a breakup, but it's just like how far did it get that you two have to hate each other when you break up? So that's a good question to ask. It's like how many of your exes are you still friends with, and. If there's not a lot of exes that you're friends with, you have to examine them like, okay, what was my behavior? What red flags were I overlooking? What led to that kind of situation where I'm constantly ending on bad terms? And one of the one of the easiest ways to do that is look at somebody's review history. If they're only leaving one star reviews, that person's constantly looking for the bad thing and they don't want to put the effort into making something good. So like if if you're only leaving one star reviews, like you have to ask why, or if that person is, it's like, is that their personality trait where they're only looking for the bad? Are they also willing to support the good? Are they also willing to go out of their way to put energy into something that doesn't benefit them whatsoever? Those one-star reviews are done out of spite because they want somebody else to see it and not give that business, um, you know, not give that uh, establishment business because of that one-star review to change their mind. But like, how many times are you going out of your way to help somebody in their dream, and their endeavors when it doesn't benefit you? So those are just like little things to pay attention to how someone else views the world. So before you date somebody like on, on a boyfriend, girlfriend, like
2: serious level, ask for their Amazon so you could see their one star reviews, ask for their Yelp. Be like, let me see your Yelp account. Hand hand that over here.
0: Yeah, guys, there's a lot of wisdom there. Uh, we got to wrap wrap the podcast up now, but especially young listeners, go back and listen to that last few minutes again, because there was some absolute <laughs> fucking gold in there that I wish I knew. When I was a young king. Uh, guys, thanks so much for coming on today. It's uh, it's flown by as ever. I will let people know. I will put in the show notes where people can find you so they can click through. So don't worry about all that. But
1: thanks so much for coming on, boys. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to be here. And uh, I can't wait to uh, go party rocking with you again.
0: Yeah, I can't wait to touch you and smell you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully sooner rather than later.
0: Thanks for coming on. I love you. I'll catch you soon. Bye. 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 Guys, thanks for joining us today. Dan, thanks for coming on, mate. Uh, Thank you so much, Zulu Alpha Strap Company, for supporting today's podcast. If you want to check them out, guys, they are linked up in the show notes. So are the Royal British Legion. They have been getting it done as a charity for veterans and their families for over 100 years. They make this podcast possible. Without the British Legion, there is no podcast. They do so much for veterans. You can find it at rbl.org.uk or just Google Royal British Legion or at Royal British Legion on social media. They make some excellent posts, uh, keeping alive the memory of those that went before us. We will remember them. We must we have to, so please, um, please guys, check them out. Spread the word on what the Royal British Legion are doing because you never know who needs it. And while we're on the subject of spreading things, I'm not talking about what's in your pants. Uh, I am talking about what's been in your ears. Um, might be the same thing, fuck knows what you lot are into. Uh, if you enjoyed today's episode please tell a friend about it please leave a review please make a post help us grow the podcast you never know who's going to benefit might benefit me actually Um, and uh, you know maybe you want to do me a favour so spread the word guys and uh, let's keep the podcast growing thank you so much to all our guests that have been coming on recently thank you guys for listening thank you Zulu Alpha Straps thank you the Royal British Legion guys I'll catch you next time love you bye yeah listen listen Shout (laughs) teaser. You told me not to worry, and you wouldn't.
2: Break my heart You told me you were sorry Yeah my whole world fell apart You said it's not my fault And yeah I've never done you wrong I'm grinding to a halt Now I can see you're moving on I promised I'd get better And I told you things would change You keep me to the gutter Yeah I'll never be the same I've got to let you go Now live your life And spread your wings And yeah you put on quite a show And pulled the puppet strings And are you sure that you don't want me Remember all the pain Or maybe you should thank me It's your loss and my gain I'm leaving now forever I won't hang my head in shame But yeah you've taken me for granted And you should feel ashamed You sold a dream to all of us A dream that we'd all die for A reason for us all to live And something we could fight for I might just help a man up to his feet Or hold a new bomb But no
0: matter what I do My hands remembering my rifle, yeah Life's hard, I know that Still wouldn't change shit I wouldn't go back, yeah I wouldn't go back Feelings I hold back Memories, fade, yeah, they go first Yeah, they go fast. Good times to come and go Survive the highs and lows Just take it step by step I guess, yeah, I suppose Good times to come and go Survive the highs and lows Just take it step by step I guess, yeah, I suppose